everybody, and welcome to Comics and Cinema. I'm your host, Alex Klein, and today I have a special guest with me to talk about episode two of Loki, The Variant. Everybody, please welcome my good friend, neighbor, and listener, David Rosen. David, how are you? Hey, man, doing well. Hey. <laughs> so happy to have you on, man. Uh, love uh, our conversations around Loki, and uh, I know we had talked in the past about uh, our passions around uh, all things aliens and time travel and all of those existential things. So I'm hoping we can dive into some of that today. But before we do, I wanted to start this episode with something that we don't talk about very often on this show in terms of it being a bad thing. Uh, but I want to talk a little bit about speculation because after uh, this episode came out, there was a lot of speculation that seemed like it was coming dangerously close to the speculation of WandaVision, uh, of, of Mephisto. And I, I want to say as, as the, uh, the head, the CEO of comics and cinema, the, the buck stops here. And I, I, would, I do not want to be the podcast where you heard some far-fetched uh, scheme about some, some something or other. And so I don't even want to talk about what those speculations are. All it will take is a quick Google online for you to find out what they are. No, no. What I want to do is I just want to remind everybody about the importance of not putting so much onto speculation. So David, you can back me up on this as we go along because you and I were talking about this. There's, it is so fun to talk about what could happen, especially in these Marvel shows. I mean, for those of you that have listened to all of the episodes that we've done for WandaVision, Falcon of the Winter Soldier, any other, even for other things, like uh, I think I did some speculating in Kong versus Godzilla, but there's, there's something so fun about speculating and guessing and keeping those receipts. And I will say in that regard, we do have a celebrity on the line because David is the receipt king. Uh, he has a lot of receipts under his belt throughout the years. Uh, but the, the reason that we have those is not because we're trying to be right. It's not because we're trying to craft some theory. It's just because we're having fun. Uh, so I just want to remind everybody about the dangers of speculating. So consider this a little bit of a PSA that while it is very fun to think about what somebody could be, that uh, there are you know no real hints in the show indicating it besides maybe a passing phrase, to just be careful on those. And I, I say that not to discourage speculating, but just to remember that when eventually that speculating doesn't come true, I would hate for you guys to look down on the show because it didn't end up the way that you expected it. So just remember Marvel uh, and you've heard it, you've heard it here many times. Marvel has your best interests at heart. They know what they're doing. They're experts in their field and whatever they choose for these storylines to go through is going to be the best choice. I'm sure eventually we'll be able to retract even that statement and say they made a mistake at one point. But for the most part, all of these instances have pulled off very well. Uh, David, and anything else to add in regards to speculation? Um, I'm sure we'll come to plenty of things. I just want to say that if you're into speculation, you must also be prepared to say how wrong you were when your speculations don't pan out. Yes, yes. And you know, that's a, but that's a really good piece of human evolution, I would say, in, in regards to being able to change your mind, being able to grow as a person and admit that you're wrong. 
what better way and what easier way to do it than to have fun speculating and then say, hey, you know what? Sorry, I was wrong. That's perfect practice for in the real world when you say something you shouldn't say to somebody else and learn to apologize and change your mind that way as well. So without further ado, let's dive into this one. David, this was a beast. This was a huge episode. It was longer than the first one at uh, 54 minutes, including the extremely long credits. I think it ended up being at like 44 minutes, something like that. It felt shorter than the first episode. It did. It did. And I think we, we had talked about that. I think the reason it felt so short is because the writing for this episode is is break, breakneck is the best way that I can put it. It is fast. It is heavy. They're throwing a lot of information at you with some people talking about it. And I love that. I thought it was fantastic. It's also, aside from all that, it's very efficient writing. Yes. Oh, yes. You know, we were talking about, I mean, we're dealing with some heavy stuff here, time travel and, you know, all this theoretical abstract stuff that for some people is very hard to comprehend. And, you know, you could spend an entire episode trying to explain some things here, but the method is, you know, we were taught they open up with Loki being quizzed by Miss Minutes. So, you know, that's a great, and actually he's quizzed by a few people in the TVA as well. And I just thought that was a great little writing trick to uh, get some, pass them some things along to the audience without feeling that we're being spoken to. You know, yeah. we're watching, so we're watching a conversation unfold rather than a writer talking to the audience. Yeah, it's a, it's a, honestly, it's a skill because there's a lot of, I'm sure anyone could point to a lot of shows where it is an info dump. And you see, honestly, you see it a lot in comics. Uh, I would say look no further than a Brian Michael Bendis comic because there's panels where the people are at the bottom and the entire rest of it is all dialogue from this giant word bubble. Uh, and sometimes it's, it's needed, but when it's able to be done this way, of it being so conversational that the way that you're, you're lost in these conversations and you're learning stuff while you're listening is phenomenal. And you, you pointed out something really great about this episode, which is there's not a lot of action here and it's, it's mostly just people talking and yet you're like, again, it just breezes by. So all credit on that, I think goes to a couple of different people. Obviously it shows directed by Kate Heron. She did a fantastic job. Uh, and Michael Waldron, obviously, as as the creator and head writer. But special shout out too to Alyssa Karasik, who wrote this episode. Uh, again, I, I felt like the dialogue in here was absolutely fantastic. And so we will uh, we'll kind of, I'm not going to do exact scene breakdowns for this episode. I kind of wanted to talk more about themes and ideas and that sort of stuff. So, uh, you know, the beginning of this episode opens up with, you kind of said it, uh, Loki being quizzed. And I, I think it even opens up before that with the uh, the variant Loki uh, and and for anyone <laughs> spoilers obviously guys come on uh, but for anyone it uh, opens up with Loki the other Loki at the fair the Ren Fair in 1985 uh, and basically killing more TVA Minutemen huge shout out to though Sasha Lane is one of those Minutemen and she's taken hostage if any of you have not seen American Honey you need to check that out. She's been in a couple of other things as well, but I just, she was such a standout in that movie to me. Can I uh, ask but, you a quick question about that scene? Did yeah, you, yeah, please. Did you also get the sense, maybe intentionally or unintentionally, uh, unintentionally that the person who was talking to them when they stepped out was channeling a Catherine Hahn? 
I will say, you know, typically I avoid watching things before I record, but I did watch a YouTube video and they mentioned that and they even pointed out how thin of a, because uh, they were like, yeah, I, I sort of thought that maybe on the second time I watched the episode, the first time I didn't even notice, but when they pointed it out and explained it, I was like, okay, but like, but you got a completely different person to play her and you're but but yet agatha is the same person throughout all time right like she looks like katherine hahn in the 1600s and she's katherine hahn in the, the mid 2000s so why well, in 1985 was she a different person i i bring this up because this is an instance where it's okay to say hey this person looks like you know katherine hahn but it's completely wild speculation to now jump on something and say this is this is agatha thank you david in, in loki <laughs> because this person looked like them and Renaissance and yeah, no, stop there. You know, no, you know what? That's, that's, let's make that the format of this episode. So we're not going to dive too deep into those speculations, but as they come up, let's point them out because that's a really great point. Like I said, I, I never even registered to me. And when they pointed that out, my first thought was like, wow, you're really reaching for this. And they were like, Oh, well, we've got our receipt now. And it's like, okay. as the same people who said they had a receipt on Bova milk in, uh, in the, uh, you know, in WandaVision, which again, cool Easter egg. If you think that looks like Catherine Hahn, awesome. I hope that enhanced right. your viewing for you, but I don't think we're going to be seeing Agatha. I, I, I will say this. I don't think it's Agatha all along. I think it might be Kang all along, but you know, we don't know that yet. We'll, we'll see. So, you know, that whole thing happens and then we get back to the TVA and, uh, and I'm, I'm laughing to myself. Cause I use, I don't know if I ever told you this, David, but I used to have a YouTube, uh, I still have it, but I did a YouTube thing called spoilers. Mm -hmm. And what I would do is I would say like, it would be a movie review, but my review was me spoiling the entire movie. It was like, that was the bit. And I feel like the last few episodes on here, I've been like, well, I'm not planning on doing a scene by scene breakdown. So let's start with the first scene. So, uh, and so I feel like that's what we're doing. Eh, whatever. That's fine. It's my show. I can do whatever I want. So uh, <laughs> I love this. Next scene. What'd you say? It's your timeline. Yeah. Hey, you know what? That's right. And I love my timeline. Cause I don't snip any of the branches. I, I want, I want, <laughs> I want it all to happen. Uh, I loved seeing Miss Minutes in 3D form. Honestly, I loved seeing her again. I had a feeling we would because they made the poster for Miss Minutes and there was the the like emoji for Miss Minutes. So clearly she was going to play a bigger part than just the first episode. And I was really happy with the way that they did it of him being like, are you even real? Like, what are you? And she's kind of talking about it. And it's like, yeah, that makes sense that she's she's fake, but also real. Like she can move around and do her own thing, but she's still just kind of a computer program. Uh, it's a really weird, weird and exciting marriage of like magic and science at the TVA that I still haven't fully figured out because Mobius in the first episode said like, it's not magic, but at the same time, like it's, it's feels almost like Stark tech but they're, they're employing it through really old technology, like these really old computers and old, you know, handheld, what were those, the beepers that they've got that like show them the timeline? Like it's all old stuff, but it's very high tech. Well, I'll just refer back to Thor where magic is just science we don't understand. Yep. And clearly the TVA exists outside of time, but probably also our understanding. So uh, you don't need to understand it. You just have to accept it. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a, this show honestly is a really great exercise in letting go. Right. But I mean, and, all, but, oh. no, go ahead. 
Uh, I was just going to say, but I think it's also cool because you kind of get the sense where um, people in the team, well, I don't know how much workers do it, but we saw all those, um, you know, trophies, they called them. And mm, mm-hmm. Ravana, Ravona, Ravana Renslayer's office. So it kind of makes you think that like the TVA was just a kind of a blank slate and maybe they're picking different designs and architectures and what and whatnot from te- and technologies from all different points of t- in time. So like you're not supposed to really be able to figure out where or when they exist because they're kind of they're everywhere and nowhere at the same time. That's like yeah. one of those one of those co- time concepts you have to get into your head that like when you're talking when you're when you're talking about something existing outside of time that um it, 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 it's just a weird concept to, to wrap your head around and i think as this, this the series go on we'll get better at you know figuring out what exactly uh where exactly i mean the tva is or when or when yes you know it it is interesting and i think i like the idea that they just exist outside of time because there's again it's that exercise and letting go of like okay well if they exist out of time how old is mobius well he could be a thousand years old we have no idea because time doesn't exist where he's at he's just but like when when was his first day of work who knows right like it could have been yesterday it could have been ten thousand years ago and but that's not that's the thing is it's like as a human those are the ant we we need those answers we want to know where we come from and the show does such a good job of saying like stop that like stop asking just watch and enjoy it goes back to that whole thing in tenant where the girl says it makes more sense to just not just not think about it don't think about it and it helps but but again the writing is so good that they do take some time to explain those things and so you've got miss minutes quizzing him about you know, what happens when a timeline is is pruned? And so again, an instant answer from our last episode of wondering what happens because you never see it. And he's explaining it, it resets the timeline. And then as he eventually the next scene, they move into going back to that point in time. And he's explaining like, well, you know, you say that the, the timeline gets snipped or gets clipped, but to me, it sounds like it just gets destroyed and everyone gets disintegrated. And it's like, ah, potato, potato. And uh, at the same time, they even talk about the, he says, well, if this incident happened in 1985, you know, the, the Loki variant comes in and does this, why can't we just come in five minutes before and stop it? And he, he gives a really good explanation that I was like, oh, okay, that makes sense that, uh, what is it that when, you know, once the timeline has been branched, things are now in place, like things are happening. So if they were to go back in time, essentially, if they screwed anything up, they would be creating another branch off of that branch, which would just sounds like would be a nightmare would be like, again, who knows if that's really what would happen, because there's a lot of mystery around that with the timekeepers. But to me, that sounds that sounds pretty stressful. Like I would not want that. So it makes sense that you have to come in in real time right when it happens in the timeline so i i like that explanation did it do it for you or were you confused um i'm still trying to wrap my head around exactly what happens when one of those reset charges goes off because you know there's been some people saying that like oh when you do that you kill the person you kill the variant it sure and looks like it too right it looks like it but i i don't like the word killed because you're 
because if you go back and you watch the original uh, video, that Miss Minutes video, um, where she first explains to Loki like the multiverse and variants and all that, um, I think if you go back and watch it, the branch is destroyed, but the little man who was traveling on his own little path, right? Who the little man in the video, right? So if you remember, there's that crowd of people walking, right? Yeah. Uh -huh. and actually, there's a robot in that crowd of people, if you go mm. back. Anyway, but, you know, there's that crowd of people walking, that one dude steps off the path and goes on his own, and they start explaining what happens. And when she talks about resetting the timeline, he ends up back in that group of people, and he keeps walking forward. So I don't know if I like to think about Killing, but you're using the word kill because when you think about the word kill, you think about something basically stops existing. Right. It's not really the case here because the variant doesn't really stop existing. He just is put back where he's supposed to be. Do you think that's through consciousness? That, you know, obviously the, the slate is being wiped clean because you see, you see when that happens, when it gets reset, there's uh, the person, the people disappear the weapons disappeared and yeah. but the but the tent stayed the same the grass stayed the same other objects in the room stayed the same so it seemed like anything that is being affected by the variant is what gets deleted but when it's being deleted it to me like kind of like you're saying it's it's more of like it's being system reset so you're yeah. deleting this person and and technically yes you're killing them in that moment but it would be the equivalent of somebody waking up from a dream, right? Of like they, they're that that person who in this example, uh, you could even just say Loki, whatever. If Loki were reset when he was supposed to in that timeline, he would have just mentally like woken up right back at that moment in 2012 when you know right before the variant you know incident, the nexus point happens. Is that right? That's how I. That's how I've. Yeah come to understand it that like um you know the, the the branch point in my head at least they didn't really explain it this way but the branch point of that timeline is when the tesseract ends up at loki's feet correct yep and you know in one timeline in the sacred timeline you know uh let's say a shield agent picks up the tesseract and puts it back in the case and we go about our many our merry way but then you also have this Loki who picked up the Tesseract. So my my understanding, at least, is that they clipped that scene in the desert, and then somehow Loki reappears, and he never picks up the Tesseract, and things continue on. Yeah, it's a very it's a very complicated scenario. But it it like again, if you don't think too hard about it, it makes sense especially when you look at it with the miss minutes video of like you're you're literally just clipping off a branch from a tree and that main the main trunk of the tree is the main storyline so in that sense it makes total sense but again like mobius says later in the episode if you start really thinking about what that looks like and what that means it's insane and it's chaos so don't don't try to think too deep but just know that they've got your best interests at heart not the tva marvel tva does not have your best interests at heart i don't think i mean in the end we're talking about concepts we can can't possibly really fathom or yeah we can't fathom. you just got to do your best we're doing our best that's what that's all we can ask for here at comics and cinema so uh within that scene though there's a really great bit where loki is 
trying to make himself useful. And I, I'm really excited to talk with you about this because I was so conflicted with Loki in this episode as I should, I feel like we all should be. And I, I to me, that's phenomenal acting by um, uh, Tom Hiddleston that, you know, I don't know when he's actually being a bad guy because that whole bit where he's like, no, wait, if you go outside, they're going to be right there waiting for you sort of thing. And I was like, is he lying? I feel like he's not because he's like, trying to get on their good graces and maybe he's going to betray them later and i just i loved that and even the way that he said it he said something about like this game is is uh, reminds me of myself or something he had like a really great line in that where he's like isn't there a line in there where i I think mobius says like it's in your nature you can't help it yeah oh oh, no he, he like he so he sits down and he says there's a saying in asgard that if a wolf's ears a wolf's teeth follow something like that i i wasn't a fan of the phrase i was like okay and yeah, it didn't make sense like, together, but i got i sort of understood what, what he was trying to say yeah i get what he was trying to say but the and he sort of says that another point too where he's like it's a bad metaphor loki is not good at metaphors but he's like you know i he goes my ears my teeth are sharp but my ears are even sharper and again he's lying so like he's just saying this to bluster but then I loved when Mobius is just like, he just pauses and, and the camera work was so cool of like, it was just on them and I'm waiting. Like the music is slowly building and he just goes, ah, he's lying. All right. He's just trying to, he's just having some fun. And I was like, I love that he says that he's lying, but he's not even mad about it. He's just like, ah, he's lying. And then he goes, my ears are sharp too. I loved that. I love that. He just oh rubbed that in his face. So well, I mean, you can kind of, you, you can just, I mean, you can say that Mobius just kind of figured out that he was lying, but there's also like in your head canon, if you want to think that he watched that Mobius watched all of Thor Ragnarok. Oh yeah. Uh, you know, there's the whole scene in the elevator with Thor where he's pouring his heart out, heart out. He tells, he tell Thor tells Loki, you're a trickster. You, you're, you're, you're always going to betray me. I'm always going to trust you. You're always going to betray me round and round we go. And then even after they have that heart to heart in the elevator and he tells him, this is what you do. He betrays him right after that, or at least he tries to, you know, when they're going to get the ship, he just, he can't help it. He doesn't, he's an addict. He's like an addict. He doesn't know anything else. That's just in his nature. I I don't even think that's a head canon. I think that's actual canon because it goes more into that scene later when he says, you know, he's like, I don't want you to stab me in the back. And he's like, I would never do that. And then he's like, he says, I've studied every moment of your life. Like oh, you've done true. it like 50 times. So yeah, he, and that's how I assumed it was like, he, he was sitting there and thinking like replaying Loki moments in his head. And he was probably, I mean, he seems like he's an expert on Loki in that regard. Cause he's been chasing this variant. So he's, he has to know again, he said Loki's greatest hits, like very easy to tell that Loki's lying. And, well, it's uh, a very. I feel like it's a very interesting character study because, on the one hand, we say that, um, you know, the Loki that we saw who die in Infinity War is not the same Loki we're looking at now because he right. hasn't experienced all the same things. But at the same time, even though he hasn't experienced all that, who he his his essence, who he is, as a trickster, a god of mischief, that does that really has not changed. No, not at all. You no. Know? All of the emotional development that you could say he experienced through what we watched or know as the Infinity Saga, he kind of experienced all in that first episode. So, in a way, we're kind of we're kind of back to where we started with where we left off. You know, we're kind of with the same Loki who does the same things, 
So if you are Mobius and you're, you saw his greatest hits and you saw what he did, you know, on Sakaar and Ragnarok, then yeah, it's pretty easy to tell that, you know, he lies to his brother. He's going to lie to some TVA, TVA agent as well. So yeah. Absolutely. And that, that feeds very nicely into the next scene when they get back and he's having to have his interview with Ravana and uh, she's explaining to him. Uh, and this is a really big scene too. I think there's a lot in this scene. We open up with a great shot of the, the reptilian that's sitting behind her desk, one of the timekeepers. And you kind of called that out too, of the, the scaly skin. It almost looks like it's got a uh, infinity stone in its head, like vision or something's on its head, some sort of, you know, whatever, the, those space creatures always have stuff going on. But um, there's something about Ravana that just doesn't sit right with me. And I, I think it's just my experience of, again, the the cop procedural drama of like the two, the guy, It's this is the, like we said, the story of the cop who's utilizing a criminal to catch another criminal. And the boss is like, you know, I'm on your ass, basically. Like, if you mess up, this is on you. But in those shows and in those movies, the boss is always corrupt, right? Like, the boss is always... I, the best example I can think of, and it's not similar, but, like, kind of like in True Detective, when, you know, they're working as a pair in the first season, and their their boss is kind of corrupt because he's like, you can't do that. Like, you're, you're knocking on doors you shouldn't be knocking on. And she hasn't necessarily come out and said that yet, but there's just something about her. Like, I don't know. And even when she's explaining about the timekeepers and she's talking about, like, oh, you know, they're just toiling away in their chambers, uh, untangling the mysteries of the, the future. And it's like, I thought you said the, the whole timeline is set. And yet you're saying it's not set. So like, what are you hiding? Yeah. I mean, the closest thing I can think of is Suicide Squad, you know? Was Waller working for? No, but, but she had her own, she ultimately had her own agenda. In, in oh, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Right? But, 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 but also you have like, you know, the, the government or whoever it is, sorry, uh, needing to go to criminals for help. Right because they understand the criminal mind um, and, you know, someone is reluctantly okay, is reluctantly okay with it happening, but there's still something they're hiding. And no, I, I agree with you. There's something going on with, with Ravana. I'm trying to disconnect what I know of her from the comics, which isn't a lot. It's pretty much what I've seen in different videos. Yeah, exactly. Um, same. But I'm trying to disconnect that because that's also how you fall down the rabbit hole of speculation, where you know something from the comics, and you apply that to the show. But like Marvel Studios has shown over and over, they're totally fine deviating from the comics, and sometimes even use it against you that you you think you have knowledge about what's going to happen. Oh, 100 percent. I think that the only thing, and and you you see it now over time. We have ten, we have ten years of data now to to be right. able to comb through that. Marvel, if if you're trying to say, oh, like this is what happened in the comics, this is what happens with Marvel. Marvel copies the people from the comics. So like Iron Man is basically the exact same, but like Iron Man's story is different. Right. So like the only thing you can really ever count on is how the character is going to be, and even then sometimes it's not exactly the same. So it, it's like you have to reading the comics, I feel like is so beneficial to grasping what the show could be. 
but if you're hanging on to something from a comic it, I, like i would say from the beginning it's just very dangerous you're, you're on a very uh thin ice i would say if you're doing that just because again i would i would hate to be wrong and then like what do you do do you hate the comic do you hate the do you hate the show what what, what are you supposed to hate i i don't know what are you supposed to get mad at but yeah, so she's got that bit, and uh, there's a whole other bit in there that I really liked her, and I think we had talked about a little bit around the, just the conversation that they have. So again, a, an info dump that is is given as a file review, and right. so she explains to him, she says, you are not the only analyst working for me. So we now know that the judge has analysts that work for her. I would assume that's the equivalent of a prosecutor working for the judge, same way of like investigating cases and prosecuting them as needed. Um, it's but, interesting that she's the prosecutor and the judge. Right, or, yeah, and exactly. Or, she, like, yeah. or like she's not, not, maybe not the prosecutor, but she is the police chief or whatever that like. Well, no, no, I think you're right because it's essentially she has these people who go and get her everything and then she makes the decision. She makes the call, and we see she keeps the trophies. Right. So it's and like she, she, and she keeps, she keeps access to the timekeepers to herself. Exactly. So she, she is like, like this ultimate valve for the entire. Th and and the other thing I would ask you too is: is this it? Is the this giant TVA that you, you when Loki sees it, and there's this all these sprawling buildings. Is she the only judge or is there like more buildings as you walk through the TVA that there's a whole nother judge in another sector or whatever? Is she the only one? Because if she's the only one, one, why is the TVA so big? But also, again, what, like why her? What is it that's so special about her? And maybe that comes from the comics. I don't know a lot about her, but I find it very interesting that she literally is judge, jury, and sort of executioner. I mean based on the first episode you go to in front of you stand trial for your your crimes against the timeline then you're disintegrating so right so then what i, I don't know it's like what's the point well. of the rest of the tba yeah and i mean this is where <laughs> trying not to fall not to fall into the uh -oh. not to fall into the speculation trap here but i'll uh, hold your hand while you dive in and i'll pull you out when needed <laughs> No, I mean, I, I, I try not to let myself go, go too far in any one direction. Um, but it is, we were, we were talking about this before we started, how, you know, toward the end of the episode, when uh, all hell breaks loose, she grabs that baton, which yeah. seemed like was kind of on the wall now as just kind of a conversation piece. So, you know, going back to the writing, there's a little bit you can maybe guess that, you know, she used to be a Minuteman and, or woman, person. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, but then there's the question, well, how did she go from, you know, minute, minute person to judge, judge, you know, basically a step below God or God. Right. Yeah. That was, um, a, and, and why, like how, because yeah, how, uh, the timekeepers create every single person in the TVA for a specific purpose. Why didn't they just create judge Renslayer? Why did they create minute person Renslayer and then they gave her a promotion so what about Casey like he doesn't even know what a fish is can we not give him a vacation and let him leave where's Mobius's jet ski like there's a lot of questions there about about a cer certain type of privilege of like she clearly is getting uh special treatment yeah and uh, maybe you can help me answer this but I could not really think of a, re a way how Mobius being on a jet ski messes with the timeline I when Loki is talking about, 
you know, the minute that he, and I didn't think about it on the first viewing, but like the minute he starts talking about the apocalypses, I was like, damn, they should just fly to like, uh, honestly, a, a volcano eruption that's by an island and get a right. jet ski and go ham, go, go jet skiing and then get out of there and it would be destroyed. So I think you just uncovered the end of the, the, the end of the series. Uh, you know, it, but you would think that David, but I called out that at the very end of Falcon and the Winter Soldier that there needed, needed to be them riding off in the boat on the sun, in, on, into the sunset. And that didn't happen. So you know what? I wouldn't be surprised if he does not get his happy ending. But, but you at know the what? same time, I feel like they kind of got to give it to him. I do want to circle back to that, back to that as a, for a second, not, not to make a joke about a timeline, but there's a, something that's been sticking with me since the first episode, which is... Um, and I, I talked about this a little bit in the Discord, but there's this discussion right now going on about free will and who do who who has and who doesn't have free will, and it's mostly centered on Loki. But what I've been really focusing on are the TVA agents. Yeah, yeah. And what's their what's their situation with free will? Because in this episode, you know, Loki has that discussion with uh, Mobius in the lunchroom and says you know in a way you and i are the only ones who have free will but then it launches into a thing about how you know he's not allowed to ride a jet ski so that just makes me start thinking like is there something about these these timekeepers that isn't what we're being told well that we have already said because what you know what happens if i think casey said it oh uh wilson mobius said it you know he is a timekeeper. That's what he does. He doesn't really have an option to go do something else. So what if a timekeeper goes and rides a jet ski and decides, hey, this is much better than, you know, chasing down time variants all over all over the place. I want to live here. Um, there's something about the TVA where they're kind of being kept as caged animals. Yeah. Where they're not allowed to experience anything beyond what they know or can see. Mm hmm. Yeah, and I thought that was interesting, and I'm kind of one of the one of the one of the through lines I'm looking I look forward to in the series is this continue continuation of the discussion of free will, who has it, who doesn't, um, what exactly free will is. They're they're really diving into that, and and again credit to Waldron and company for for having that because these are those Rick and Morty conversations that. It's it's in Rick and Morty. It's so easy to do those because it's animate. It's like you know two D animation. Like you can do whatever you want. But when it's something like the MCU, there's a uh, prestige is not the right word, but like it's 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 high level of like if they are explaining it in the MCU, like that's a big deal. Whereas in like Rick and Morty, it's like okay, cool, that makes sense, that's whatever. But it's a lot harder to do that when you have so much baggage from the last 10 years of your movie making versus like episode two of rick and morty but even that bit is great because there's if you if you saw the episode where uh I, I don't remember which one it is but rick creates the uh create the like robot that cuts butter mm -hmm. and the robot like wakes up or something and he goes what is my purpose and he goes to cut butter and he's like oh my god and it's like that whole free will argument of like these TVA agents are created to cut butter. Like they are just created to support this timeline. So has that, I would be, I would love to have seen, and I bet we will, if anybody goes like 
what is my purpose? And like, you know, Judge Renslayer has to say it's to investigate cases. And they're like, oh, like, I got to get out of here. Well, there's also even Loki in this show is like, you know, what would happen if some being outside of time came down and told you, Alex Klein, that your sole purpose on this world and this earth is to make podcasts and that's it. Yeah. Like, you know, your, your, your purpose is to make podcasts, to have guest hosts so that they can come out, go out and become bigger podcast hosts than you are. Right. That's basically what Loki's purpose is and what he's told his purpose is in the universe. So, you know, once you, once you're told supposedly what your purpose is, can you deviate from that? And that goes back into the conversation of, um, why is Loki so comfortable trying to, uh, trying to you know um not the fraud but uh trick mobius in the beginning into saying that there's that that, that, that the variant is outside the tent he can't help it he I, it's because he hasn't matured yet and i think I, I saw something about someone i don't think it necessarily was a complaint but someone had said like i don't get why they're they are speed running through loki's mental state of like He's, he's 20, and I, I personally love it. He's 2012 Loki at the beginning of this series. And then by the end of the first episode, he is essentially 2019 Loki, right? Like he's seen how he died. He's seen all those events that shaped him in the moments that we've seen him where he's grown emotionally. So to me, I'm totally cool with now in episode two, he's a lot, and I, I pointed this out when I had first watched it, like immediately he's more fun. He's bouncing around. There's that amazing, one of my favorite scenes in this episode is the exploration the exploration of the studio space when they leave Renslayer's office and you've got the camera following them down the hallway and Mobius is a straight line going down the middle while Loki is literally dancing around him going like okay well what about this like uh, you know I have an idea about this and it's like that to me that's Ragnarok Loki like that's the Loki after he's he's been pissed off for a while and he tried to rule and it didn't work out and now he's a lot more mellow and he sees that from the prior episode clearly my stuff didn't work out but just like in Ragnarok he's a lot more relaxed but he still is Loki and he still wants to rule or he still wants to be the best and Mobius points that out so beautifully in that scene where he says, I thought that you would be like, you would realize that the superior Loki, that like you would want to catch them to prove that you are superior. And it's so true. And that's kind it seems like that's kind of what he wants. But at the end of the day, he wants to take over the time variance authority because he does not want to be told what to do. That's a Loki thing. Like he does not want to have that, but he's going to grow throughout these episodes and probably realize and that's an even deeper realization that we don't even get in Ragnarok of like how I cannot be Loki anymore because we get, we get that glimpse at, in infinity war when he gives up the stone and gets killed by Thanos. But that's like when the guns to your head, essentially like, you know, those people who go, Oh, I'll never change. And then the minute a gun's pointed to their head, they're like, okay, fine, I'll do it. And it's like, that's fine, all well and good, but we're going to see in this show, him naturally changing or changing because he chooses to change in that regard. He's not forced to do it because of some world ending event, or, you know, maybe he does because there is a world ending event or a multiverse ending event. But I just loved that whole piece with him. He just feels so much more animated in this episode. He's so funny. And I, everything that he, he questions everything. And I love that. He's like questioning the librarian 
and uh, and well, and we'll get we'll get back to that the the Mobius bit. So in when he's talking with Ravana, Mobius says he basically is saying like the one thing real quick that you said. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it's interesting because you follow Loki through the Infinity, at least up through Avengers, and you know there's a few points when he's talking with Thor where like you can tell there's good in Loki, right? right. He wants he wants to do good, but there's something about his nature that doesn't let him. And it goes to the thing that I think it was Mobius told him in the cafeteria, like not not everyone who's bad is bad, and not everyone who's good is good. And there's an, like an internal battle in Loki where he wants there's something he wants to be, but there's something about who he is and his nature that won't let him be that. And for me, one of the things I'm interested in is they laid down in the first episode very clearly, this Loki's purpose is to lose. But he's also the hero of our series. And in our world, heroes always win. So is the hero of our story who's always going to lose, who always is supposed to lose, going to win at the end of this? And what does that look like? What does winning or losing look like? Like, does he win for himself? Or is he going to lose somehow because somebody else, you know, is, he, is his loss going to further maybe the variant Loki? I don't know. But it's an it's interesting purpose of... Um, I don't know if the best way to put this of like nature versus nurture. Yeah. Or um, fate versus will. That's another better, better way to put it. But there's in, so internally in Loki, there's something about him that wants to be more, but is keeping him from being that because he always reverts back to his old ways. Yeah, I would if we're uh, we'll we'll put a, a speculation warning. I think I think what's going to happen at the end of this, I think everyone already had guessed this at some point is like this is the vehicle to bring Loki back to the MCU, uh, whatever form that is, whether that's this variant Loki or a different variant Loki. I personally think it's going to just be the main Loki because again, everyone just loves Tom Hiddleston. It makes sense. It, I, I'm not a huge fan of the idea. I liked that he died and isn't going to come back. But when you talk about the way you're saying to me, how does Loki win? Loki wins by being okay with losing. And so I, my guess, if I were to speculate on this, would be whatever happens at the end of the show is him making a free will conscious choice to let himself lose something, something that doesn't cause him to die so that at the end of this, again, he can come back to the MCU, but something where he is making a conscious choice to say, I'm okay with not beating the timekeepers i'm okay with not being as superior as this loki i'm okay with letting whatever thing it is happen so that i lose but in doing so maybe mobius is saved or maybe whatever it is it's going to be one of those moments where him losing allows everyone else to win and in doing so he wins well if you consider death losing and there are plenty of instances where dying is not necessarily losing but if he dies, but his sacrifice, like maybe gives gets rid of the TVA, gives people free will, right. exactly all this stuff. Did he really lose? And also, isn't that glorious purpose? Exactly. And you yeah, that's a great universe, point. Or you die to save time, like that's you could say that that's glorious purpose. So maybe he gets that. So I just um, don't think that Marvel is going to put. And if they if they do it that way hell yeah like i'm here for it that's so ballsy because i don't think that they would spend all of this time and money to have tom hiddleston not come back after it's done like he's he is in this show is loki in his prime like it took this it really took until ragnarok i think for 
for me personally, I know Loki is like the fan favorite for a lot of people. I was never a huge fan of him uh, just because, you know, again, he's Loki was never one of my favorite characters, but now again, the Ragnarok Loki of Tom Hiddleston being so animated and being so fun and questioning things. uh, I love that. And I want to see more than that, more of that. I, so we'll see. I, I I'm okay with it either way, but it's going to be something like that. Like you said, it's going to be some sort of sacrifice play of him laying it down on the wire at the last minute consciously making that choice and with him having enough time to make that choice is the key because again if they don't it's the same as infinity war he he makes a conscious choice to give himself up kind of maybe knowing that he's going to die but in this one he needs to be able to not be rushed like this is something where he's going to be sitting and thinking about this for like a day like I have to, I have to die or like, I have to do this. And then telling Mobius and then being like, no, like we'll find another way. And he'll be like, no, trust me. Like, this is the only way, but then, you know, at the end of it, it's going to be like, oh, he didn't actually die. He snuck off. He got away just like Loki always does, but there's going to be that moment where he is the one making that choice. And it, that that's what changes him and moves him forward. Yeah. I mean, if you look at the last two shows on WandaVision, Falcon Falcon and Winter Soldier, there is each character, Wanda and Fauci, Bucky as well, they each get their moments in those shows to realize what it is they never had the time or ability to realize in the movies. Um, you know, Wanda didn't really get, didn't really get a really, she never really had time to say goodbye to Vision, right? Uh, a real goodbye. Vision was kind of ripped, ripped away from her. And the show finally gave her that. Yeah. So, um Falcon and Winter Soldier, you know, Bucky finally got to realize that he needs to be his own person. I can't rely on Steve. And that's kind of what was holding him back in the movies. That he always had this identity that was attached to Steve. And in some way it was the same with Sam as well. They yeah. both got to realize, you know, to let go of something from the past and move on toward the future. So, you know, you, you assuming they kind of follow that same kind of character work in this show um you know what was it in the past that loki never really got to understand or to do that we could possibly see a fulfillment of his arc or his character in this show doing i think it's going to come back to that line from the first episode of a desperate play for control and again that that comes back to what we've been talking about if he he's just going to have some moment where he's okay with letting go he's okay with not being in control of that situation And I mean, that's something I've struggled with my whole life. I'm a very controlling person. And so learning to like, let go on things and let other people do things and plan things and whatnot is like, has been a lot to to do, but it feels so good when you do it. And then you, you keep doing it sort of thing. So um, we'll, we'll uh, we'll pull ourselves back up from the depths of the speculation. But I I think I, I, you're, you're hitting it on the head like that at the end of the day, the whole reason. I think this is, what are we looking out for? We're not saying Loki. Right, yeah, yeah. I mean, this is, this is, I I feel like that's like a 95% guarantee anyway, because that's like the Marvel brand at this point is like, what can we do with this character that we haven't done before that gets them to change? That by the end of the show, they're a changed person and you can see that change. Again, that's how we grow to love Marvel so much is because they're not afraid to have their characters change and grow. And we, you know, like people love being 
around that. Like we mentally, we want to see people learning and growing. It's inspirational for us. Right. And so I, and I think, that. yeah, I think Loki, Loki wants, well, we'll see. I think he wants to be good. I think he envies his brother. I think he looks up to his brother. He wants to be a good yeah. character. And so, you know, we'll see where he, where he ends up. My only question is if he does make it out of the series and, you know, what do they, what does Marvel do with him? Cause I don't think they're going to, I don't think they're going to put him back in the Thor franchise. Cause he's in Thor love and thunder. That's fine. But that show's not really going to be about him. No. So who knows? We could be wrong. It could, this could be Loki's swan song. And if so, that's great. Cause we got to see his swan song twice. Like his, right. <laughs> the song so nice. We sung it twice. Um, but yeah. Okay. So then at this point, the next, the next bit of the show is them, they need to investigate stuff. So essentially Ravana tells Mobius, like you blew it. Loki blew it. He lied and he almost messed up this mission. And he's like, please like, just give us one more chance. And she's like, that's all you're going to get. And he says, that's all, that's all I need and uh, leaves. And then he has that great exchange with Loki in the elevator before the elevator, where he tells him like, you know, oh, I, I don't care about you, but he's basically lying to Loki now of saying like, I'm just using you and uh, you can believe whatever you want. He's, I love that whole bit too. He says, uh, I'm going to give you two answers and you can choose which one of them you want to believe uh, that I, you know, I'm taking pity on this really small boy out in the ice, which I was like, I loved that bit. I loved him calling that out. Like he, you knew he'd been thinking about that because it was like, he just says it. There's no buildup. And it was like, that hits home he goes or i'm just trying to say whatever i can say to get you to do what i want and then he gets in and loki says i don't need your sympathy he says good because i'm running out and i again every line from them is fire like there's no throwaway line where you're like ah oh, they didn't really need to say that well so, yeah um go ahead i'm sorry did you no know? no i was going to move on to what the ne the next uh bit was or the next well i was going to say there's good there's good mobius character work here as well oh yeah like we were talking about this earlier when you go back into the conversation in the room with renslayer he tells her in so many words um i'm using this loki to try and figure out how the next loki thinks how the other loki thinks and then in the hallway he tells loki i don't care what makes you tick where two minutes ago, that's exactly what all he cares about. So, and then he tells him straight up, I'm going to tell you whatever I need to, to get something, to get what I need out of you. So I feel like that's good character work because um, Owen Wilson is very likable. I think so far Mobius is a very likable character, but there's something in this scene right here where um, can you really trust what Mobius is ever telling you? because behind what he's telling you is probably some other motive. So is what he telling you the truth or is he just telling you something because he wants something from you? So it'll be interesting to see how that piece of character work tracks for the rest of the show. Yeah. And, uh, and so that, and it moves into perfectly that next scene. So he takes, he takes Loki to the library and he says like, here, read all of this stuff. And he says, why don't you do it like your life depends on it? And I'm going to go get a snack. And he, and he says it so straight faced and just leaves. And, and it is, you're like, dang, dude. Okay. Like you can be mean when you need to be mean. And he even kind of gets that way in the circus at the beginning when he says like, you know, my ears are sharp too. Like the way he says it is like, he says it very sharply, like he's not messing around. And so Loki's reading through all of these things and uh, starts, you know, he's getting annoyed because it's just a ton of paperwork and goes up to the librarian 
who um, shout out to Robert. Robert mentioned this that the the librarian looks like uh, or acts yeah, like uh, you're about to say it too, right? Like Roz from the, ther- uh, the therapist. Oh, like right? the therapist. The therapist. Wait, what were you gonna say? Like Roz from Monsters Inc. Oh, I was gonna say she looks like the therapist from the Falcon and Winter Soldier. Yeah, she that too. <laughs> I, I, you know, it's funny, and I guess maybe this is a credit to her as a as an actor. Um, it starts by showing her hands and they're old and, and, and crippled. And then it does a wide shot. And I was like, she looks really young. I was like, is that like, I could have sworn I'd seen someone like her before. And then they zoomed in and she was older, but I was like, wow, from far away, she looks super young. Good for her. But uh, yeah, no, he called out that she looks like Roz. Cause she's like, or acts like Roz too. She's like, that's, that's classified. And he's asking for all. I didn't think about that, but I totally see that. Right. I was like, it's, it's perfect. The perfect example. And uh, so he, he asks, he says, can I get all of the documents pertaining to the past, how, the beginning of time? And she's like, that's classified. He says, well, how about the end? And she's like, that's classified. And he says, all right, well, what isn't classified? And so we find out the only thing not classified is Loki's story. Surprise, surprise. So we get his paperwork and we see uh, something that I really liked. I thought was super cool. We get to see what the TVA classified the destruction of Asgard, Ragnarok, as. And so they've got it classified as a level seven extinction event event. I'm trying to remember some of the other bits in there. We get that, like, what was it? 9,000 people died. So... 9,739. It was an odd number. I know that. Yeah, it's going to be... That'll be a trivia question, so you hang hang on to that. Um, But yeah, to me, I'm like, okay, so that's basically a decent-sized town. Maybe you could say... Not necessarily bored. It couldn't be called a city. I think you have to have 50,000 to be called a city, but... that number surprise you? Did that seem like a low number? No, honestly, it, it did at, on face value because, again, it's like you're going, oh, my God, this whole civilization got wiped out. But then you go, oh, it's only 9,000 people, but that's a lot of people. 9,000 gods that are living in Asgard or these people who are you know extraordinary beings because oh, even the more. basic Asgardians, I think, have like extended life, all that sort of stuff. And it's, it's uh, kind of incorrect, though, right? They didn't mention anything in there about the people who escaped. And there weren't, there oh, well, weren't any pe- people who died. Right, so. just the people who died, but I didn't even see a mention in there about Asgard isn't a place, it's a people. But uh, whatever, the TV day doesn't care about that. So we see within that, he gets the... Oh, and, and so it mentions in that report that there was zero variance activity in it, or zero var- variance temporal energy. Energy, yeah. Energy. And uh, so he kind of gets the, the ding in his head, and he runs over to Mobius, who's eating, and he says, the variant is hiding in apocalypses which is could be one of my favorite lines in all of the MCU. Like it sounds so sinister and so badass and uh, explains to him through a very funny <laughs> skit bit of uh, putting too much salt and pepper and a really weird uh, called like Coca or Zoka, something like that. The drink that he uses. Uh, well, no, no. What? Jostin. The one that he pours in. Oh, eventually. Oh, I don't know what it was. Yeah, it's it, it, there were in the video Jostin I watched last eventually. night. They mentioned it. It's actually another old '90s drink that nobody drinks anymore, and explains that if, if they're going to, by the way, if they're going to continue on this line of uh, non of no longer existing, I hope we get a surge. Uh, surge. Kind of- what about Crystal Pepsi? That too. Yeah, and Tab <laughs> Cola. Actually, Tab Cola is still uh, Pepsi still Clear. Running. 
yeah surge would be cool i would i would have said 3d doritos but they just started remaking those again as well um there's a lot of 90s things they could easily i love that i feel like mobius is a sucker for the 90s he's like yeah you know that's the the best spot for, to find jet skis but i mean if sony if if marvel and sony have this working partnership i see no reason why they, we can't get an ecto cooler cameo Ooh, that'd be kind of cool yeah yeah or the spider mobile or that. that would be a very it'd be like the variant we got a spider Ooh, the spider jet ski that'd be even cooler <laughs> uh, and then mobius can have his way but uh so he essentially is explaining through this metaphor and he even says it's a very poor poor metaphor that uh and also i love the bit where he goes he takes that drink from casey from casey of course it's casey casey's like not you again <laughs> he's like ah don't worry about it but he, he's explaining that because of an extinction level event or some sort of apocalypse nothing matters that like when that apocalypse hits nothing is going to matter so you could theoretically go to that time and do whatever you wanted he actually gives very bad examples of that because he says i could go to ragnarok right i could push hulk off the rainbow bridge and i could burn down the palace well a no you could not push hulk off that would ruin everything but yes you could go burn down the palace or burn down anything you want because the entire place ends up burning down and so that puts the spark in Mobius's head as well of like, that's actually 100% accurate. That makes sense. But Loki, again, we get that brilliant writing of Loki saying, well, we need to test this theory. And he's like, well, I don't want to just go somewhere and have you stab me in the back. And he's like, I would never do that. That's such an outdated, uh, what does he say? An out, uh, un, un... form of betrayal. Yes, yes. And Mobius is like, I know you, Loki. Like I've, you know, I've, you've stabbed people in the back like 50 times. I'd never do it again. Do it again. And uh, and so he goes back it, to Red Slayer's office. Huh? It, it gets old. It gets old. Yeah, it's so old. Uh, so he I, goes I back to. I know the salad thing was a really funny gag, but I also think it was a very, again, effective way of illustrating to the audience exactly what he's talking about. And, and it's um, and through this, it's a gag bit too, because I, I couldn't stop laughing when he's just sitting there going like this while he's explaining. You know, oh, this he's like, you know, knocking his hands back and forth with the salt and pepper, putting weight. That reminded me of, I don't know if you've ever seen, have you ever seen Ichabod Crane or the adventures of Miss Ichabod and Mr. Toad, the Disney movie? Oh, okay. Well, there's a bit in there where uh, Ichabod uses a little too much cayenne pepper on an egg and it's kind of the same example. Um, so he goes to Renslayer's office again and explains this new plan. And she, I love this bit too, because she's like, no like that's so dumb and he's like pumped and he says it too he's like can you not see that i'm jazzed about this like when's the last time you've seen me this excited about something and she's like she even says as she goes as oh, they go friend, to pompeii first they what they go to pompeii first to oh pompeii. they test yeah okay so they 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 the theory. i thought they did it afterwards okay let's talk uh, about pompeii right yeah no they definitely because he's because even when they go to Pompeii, Mobius is still reluctant. He is very hesitant. Yeah, let's not touch anything. Just make bird noises. Him. It's not until Loki shows him that, like, no, this this idea that I had will work. Uh, yeah. That he finally goes back to her and is like, we can do this. And that whole scene reminded me so much of Rick and Morty, of him just going so crazy and being like, run free, all these goats. And uh, and then starts speaking. I what I'm assuming is Italian, or it could have been an older version of it. It didn't sound Italian, but he's probably like Roman. It was probably Roman. or Ro I, I'm Pompey's in where was Pompey? 
it was part of Rome. Oh, okay. it wasn't it in Italy though? I thought it was in Naples. It's in current day Italy, but oh, but back then. Think, um, hey, Miss Minutes, can you tell me where Pompeii is? That would be something cool if Apple could update our phones to have it be Miss Minutes instead of Siri. I can't say it too loud, otherwise my phone will um, freak out. Pompeii looks like it is in central Italy. So it's probably Roman Empire. Um. So yeah. Um, hey, shout out that Loki knew the language. I love that. But he basically tells them everything. He goes, you know, we are from the future. We're bringing you very ominous tidings. Uh, this uh, name Salerno ring a bell. Was that in the show? Who? Salerno. Salerno. No, that's a. Uh, came across. I want a Salerno. No, that's a Salerno. You're thinking of a Salerno butter cookie. That's like an old like jingle. I want my Salerno butter cookie. Because there's a town in Italy called Salerno. It's right near Pompeii. Mm-hmm. And I thought we had, I thought the name of Salerno had popped up somewhere. So yeah, in the series. Mm-hmm. My mom actually used to live in Naples when she was young. Anyway, I'm sorry. No, no. Hey, that's that's these. This is the information our listeners need. Um, but so Loki in in old ancient language is explaining to them that they are about to die and nothing matters and all this amazing stuff and uh, and then it eventually happens and he's like I told you see and it's like so great and so then they go to Renslayer and uh, she again through that back and forth she approves it which I was glad to see because it seen again I'm I'm really trying to figure out what her deal is because she even says to him in that scene like I like we're friends she says I'm telling you this as a friend so what does that mean are they friends because there's there's some uh drink rim rings on her desk that would say maybe she's got some other friends or maybe that's all of Mobius's lines because time doesn't exist in the TVA so technically like isn't isn't something like that a passage of time that the thing would have been sitting there for long enough to make a ring and do that that's why i was saying maybe there's something there something i just realized what if it was a past mobius and he doesn't know it yeah exactly like exactly there's there's some form of passage there well well, he was suggesting somebody so what i was he was suggesting that it was some other friends that she has but i was saying like i don't know what if there's a way to reset tba people who get out of line you know, like it was a big, maybe all of her analysts are Mobius. What if, like, what if Mobius has, like, you know, was a, in a past life or something, was on near, lived near the water, and that's why he has a yearning for jet skis? Yeah, but you know, the TVA can, you know, erase memories or make them new people, and or you know, if the TVA steps out of line or shows any semblance of free will they get reset themselves. Yeah. And so maybe there's a past past Mobius who knew Renslayer, but they wiped his memory or did something to him because he expressed some desire to for free will or to not be a TVA minute person anymore. Random, specula- random speculation. It's, it's certainly possible. That would be an interesting twist. I mean, hey, we've, we've heard crazier, so I, I wouldn't put it past it. That does make some sense. It's obvious that Mobius is Mephisto, right? Well, yeah. I mean, he's got three M's in his name. He's got the coolest character of all time. So it's it's his name is Mobius M. Mobius. Mobius Mephisto. There's a middle initial we had not been. That's right. His name is Mephisto. I think I think you can call that confirmed. 
I think so. I think so. You're in, all, in all caps. That's Even comics that's and cinema. Confirmed on comics and cinema. That's CCC. You heard it here first. Uh, so they leave the office and they head out. We get we get a cool bit, I think, of uh, uh, Mobius handing Loki his knives and saying, hey, you might need these. And then she's like, absolutely not, and grabs them and puts them in the other locker. That was great. I mean, were you not thinking that when he handed him those knives? Oh, yeah. Well, no. I, my first thought was I was like, yes, we're going to get like some action. And then when she grabbed it, I, was, I did. I was like, oh, yeah, of course. Like, yeah, that makes sense. He should not have those <laughs> By the way, I just want to say, I really really like this episode for that character, um, the guard. I keep forgetting her number. Hunter B-15. This was a really good episode for her. She really (laughs) did shine, yes. And she, I mean, like I I, I said said this to you as well, but uh, Wound Me was so good in Lovecraft Country. She was in his house. If you haven't seen that on Netflix, that's she's been great in everything I've seen her in. And so seeing her in the first episode got me excited but I was like, you know, is she going to get cast aside sort of thing for Loki and Mobius? And I, I think she got some good sh- time to shine here. She gets to do the whole pep talk. She gets to answer what we had talked about in the last episode of this per- This variant is collecting these uh, reset charges. And so we had said in the last episode, like, why? We find out why in this episode. So they, they figure out, uh, and I guess we kind of skipped that bit, but so they figured out that um where they're going to go back in time and so they did so through the kablooey gum that the variant gives the kid in the first episode and is able to trace that back to roughly 2050 at a rocks cart which is kind of it's a shopping center but it's essentially rocks on shopping center i'm saying that as speculation but also basically confirmed because it's the same rocks and logo uh, and yeah, it makes and total sense that Roxon would be at that point in 2050 to have stores that are, you know, essentially yeah, Amazon I mean, stores. If Mobile Exxon owned Walmart. Yeah. You'd have, you'd yeah. Have yeah. And it kind of had that vibe. It was like a blue store. And, you know, it was, I don't know. I thought it was pretty cool though. And so they figure that out. They go back. I actually liked that bit. I didn't catch a lot of it. Uh, or, I, you know, I didn't write it down, but I loved how when they were going through all of the different disasters, because they said, okay, we've got a time frame of when Kablooey gum exists. Where are the disasters? And they're like, you know, oh, there's climate change here, climate change there. Here's this disaster, that disaster. And it was like, yeah, those actually sound like things that could happen was, at that time. I was almost waiting for them to say uh, the Yellowstone volcano exploded. Ooh, yeah, that would That's have been a very, good one. That one's very close to me, literally. And it is, yes. I think about that often. <laughs> that goes, we're done. So it's serious. Yeah, well, we're gonna have to head straight. We're gonna have to go to Texas at that point and have to deal with ERCOT. And um, so they so they find this spot, they go back to that time period, and it's it's essentially during a giant hurricane that kills everybody, which is kind of scary to think about because there are literally people not only sheltering here, but also apparently shopping here. So I guess in 2050 things are going just about as much as we thought they would in 2050. People still don't care about anything. And uh, they show up and they kind of- No more toilet paper. Yeah, right. You know, no one was grabbing toilet paper in there. That's interesting. And I could have swore there's a scene in there where there's a bunch of Cottonelle toilet paper, the super strong, not super soft, the red one, the red one with the bears. Is that Cottonelle? Whatever one that is. But We only get Costco at this point. Oh well, okay. Yeah, I need to I need to jump on Costco. But uh so the, this whole last scene though is great because we get we finally see who the Loki variant is and we get to finally to see what the the situation is. And so what we find out is it, it is female Loki 
which is fantastic. I don't think a single person thought it wouldn't be female Loki. That was almost telegraphed with uh, Loki's gender being fluid. And then also uh, this video I watched, it was that same guy you recommended. And he made some really funny joke at that point about like literally every person who got the two video screener was making videos for the first episode, calling it a she the entire time. Of like they knew it was Lady Loki because they saw the second episode already. So it was like I mean, this is kind of the, this is one of those situations where like I realize I really wish that we weren't or studios didn't feel obligated to let us know about casting. Amen, brother. Amen. But, you know, most of the time, like maybe you don't know who a character is but you know this actor is in the show or movie and we haven't seen them yet. And so we're going to see them at some point and sometimes those things can be spoilery, maybe, I don't know. And so Lady Loki, her scheme is that uh, she has gathered all of these charges and is dropping them into various points of time and space uh, within the sacred timeline. And so we saw- at, this, at the exact same time, correct. And so before this happened, we kind of get a little, not necessarily backstory on Loki, but we're getting uh, some character of her. She knows how to control people's minds without the Mind Stone. She can just touch someone's mind. We see that at the beginning, but really cool scene where she goes through uh, Hunter B-15 and then a couple of guests at the store and is essentially telling him like, I am the superior Loki basically. And she is, she really is. She's got this giant plan in place. It felt like hundreds of reset charges and they all drop into these mini doors. Honestly, I don't know how she did that. Maybe that was from the, the tablet that she had in that one well, spot. Well, yeah, she, um, I don't know if she was stealing those tablets from- I think they show her stealing it at the beginning of the episode. Do they? Okay. From, yeah, she from Sasha's up, character. She clearly rigged up something. I mean, you got to imagine that from every- uh, TVA person that she stole a charge from. They probably also had one of those little, uh, you know, devices where they can open doors, they can access missing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So you got to assume that. I mean, you don't have to. You don't. You don't need to be given an answer because you're exactly how she did it. But there's enough information there for you to understand that she. Yeah, I never. I never was like, oh, this doesn't make sense. I was just like, I again, like a human. I was just like, I want to know how she did it. But I get why she's got the tools. And we get we we see what are all the locations because you caught all those locations. What were the big ones that she dropped? Um, so there were several in the United States. I, mean, I think I, I saw New York there a few times. Mm-hmm. I saw Oklahoma. Yeah, it was Oklahoma, but then we also saw a bunch of cosmic places that we've seen before. And I believe I don't have the image in front of me, but it was Vormir. We saw Ego. We saw Sakar. We saw Xandar. We saw, was that it? Maybe there was one more. Sakar, Xandar, Titan, Hala. Oh, Titan. I missed Titan. Titan, Hala. Which I thought was an interesting uh, inclusion because that's like the second or third Titan reference they made in this show. Yeah, there's some, I mean, there's some something, the way that they did it, it was quick, obviously. So they're, you're not meant to see it, but I, on first viewing, I saw, I saw, titan i saw half of them but my mind couldn't register it you know like i I saw and i was like what did i just saw like i know i saw something in that spot and i knew i saw titan but they're they're gonna play something out with that i i gotta believe that they're gonna something they're gonna have to go and try and stop those because they all activate and then they all so now we see that branch timeline from the trailer where they all spread out and now the branch the timeline is essentially 
really growing. Well, I kind of wonder what they'll do because, I mean, you know how big the TVA is. We got that, you know, that wide shot in the first episode. Right. So, well, the first question is, are there people in the TVA who are not like other people who regular people who just live there? That's what I'm saying. I have to assume so because this place is huge and there's only one judge. Like there's, there's got to be other people doing other jobs. Yeah. And I think one of the reasons that she did that was if you're a T, you're the TVA, A, which, which of those branches do you try and stop first? And does it matter which one you stop first? Is there something else along somewhere else in the timeline? And my other question is, and I wonder if this were where things might be going. They didn't really show it so much in the episode, but in one of the trail in the trailers, when they, they have that shot, which now we know is from right after she sends all those time charges back. And you, there's a close-up shot of the branches, and it looks like that a couple of the branches are about to intersect each other. And Interesting. there is, they haven't talked about it yet. I'm assuming maybe it'll happen next episode, um, but I feel like that's one of those um, things that they don't want to happen. Like what happens when two two branches connect? Does it mean that you know? two of the same people can be in the same place at the same time, you know, which is kind of one of those classic time travel rules. You're not supposed to break, you know, yeah. even from, from back to the future to wherever you can't really be in the same place as yourself. Um, so there are a lot of like really interesting time travel implication slash questions, um, which I'm not, at least I don't know of any stories or movies that have kind of touched on this kind of stuff before about timelines going crazy and you know i don't think any movie has ever gone this deep into time travel no i'm i'm here for it oh i know this is the best and 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 this uh this episode ends with lady loki walking through a portal door and loki kind of she she waves at him by and loki is like pausing and pondering whether he should enter this door as Mobius and the TVA finally find him and run down to him and say, Hey, wait, no, Loki don't. And then Loki walks through the door and the minute he walks through the door closes and that's the end of the episode. And so really interesting conversation there around uh, why, like, is he, is he going there because he wants to become her Lieutenant? I, and not in that regard, but like, is he, is he for her? Is he now going, okay, I want to join her, see how this plays out. Or is he going there because he knows that he can do some good and wants to follow follow her instead of kind of follow beside her and tail her in a sense? Uh, and I honestly don't know the answer because Loki really set himself up as a not necessarily good, not necessarily bad in this episode. So I, it could go either way, I feel like. I think there could be a number of things that drove him to walk through that door. The whole episode, we, we, we see him believing that he's the, he is the better one than she, or he is the less. Yeah, he keeps calling he thought what, Loki. What she thought was a he was the lesser Loki. Yes. Um, and then you kind of get that point where he realizes that she has this power that he doesn't to, right, they use the word enchant. So I'm just going to use the word enchant. But, you know, she has, she has the ability to enchant people and kind of insert herself into another body which is a little different than what Loki did in Avengers. You know, he was using the Mind Stone to essentially just uh, 
make people his slave. This was a little bit different of a power. So right. I think there is a little bit of a fascination there, a curiosity about this is a variant of me. Why are we actually different in this manner? Why don't I have this power? Um, you know, he states in this episode, it's kind of a, it's kind of a goal of his to overthrow the timekeepers. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if it said his was, did he want to overthrow the TVA or just, I think he probably wants to rule the TVA. Okay. So yeah, he wants to overthrow the timekeepers and rule the TVA. Um, and maybe he sees her as a means to this. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe he sees her as I want to be on her side. <laughs> right. Like maybe she's got the better. Yeah. yeah so it'll, I think it's really interesting. Like I said, there are a number of things that could have drove him to walk through that door. Um, yeah. Maybe he is still on the TVA side and he's going through a follow her only to maybe, you know, turn on her later. Yeah, it could be. I love that about this episode. It's been a long time since I've had a cliffhanger where I legitimately can't decide how it's going to end. And and they really leave it open-ended and I think you'd hit the nail on the head. It's at least either way, it's purely out of curiosity for him. He's like, you know, I'm already out of my timeline. Like what more, what possibly more could happen? So like, I'm just going to go through this door. And, you know, while you were on that enchant thing, I won't, I won't say too much about that either, but all I want to point out is when I did see the reveal of Lady Loki, I didn't mention this. I was a little surprised that she had short blonde hair the lady Loki that I know has long black hair, though I did see, and spoiler alert for the comic book of the month episode, we're going to be talking about Loki, agent of Asgard. In that book, I haven't read it yet, but I've seen some of the stuff. The lady Loki in there has short black hair, uh, but also wears the same crown of one horn and the other horn is broken. So maybe they're fiddling around with uh, kind of the aesthetic of it. But uh, I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. It's it's it definitely left though a lot more questions than answers at the very end. Yeah, I think you can uh, you can say a um, maybe it's a it's well. First of all, backtrack a little bit. I feel like a comic book accurate version of Lady Loki would have been a little too close to Hela, um, which we already got in Ragnarok. Um, I'm not all, I don't always accept the arguments that, you know, it'll easily confuse audiences. I don't think that's the case, but why even bother? Right. Um, so I think it could have been a little bit case of uh, differentiating from a previous character. Mm-hmm. Um, you can also move a little more into speculation territory and say there's more to her than we initially think in this episode. Um, and they can, it can also be the situation about, um, She's Lady Loki, or Marvel decided to make her Lady Loki mixed with some other character like they've done in the MCU with like, you know, with Ghost and even Hela, even Hela was, wasn't quite, I think the... She was like a mix with gore. Right. And, you know, Marvel does this before. So um, it could be any number of things. Maybe we'll get an answer at some point, or maybe the actress just really liked her blonde hair. (laughs) <laughs> honestly i i feel like we are going to get an answer just because you can't again regardless of what that answer is you can't just drop for somebody who's never read the comics for like a, a regular viewer you can't just drop a lady loki in there and not explain why like again for somebody who's read the comics you see in the other one that his gender is fluid to me i was like oh instant lady loki but for somebody who doesn't know they're gonna see that and go 
what? Like, is that they would probably even go, is that Loki? Like, yeah. they've got the horns, but it's a girl. And so, you know, they're going to have to explain that one way or the other in one of the episodes of like maybe a little bit about her backstory, where she came from, why she is doing what she's doing. And you know that it's probably a glorious purpose, just like Loki is, that she thinks she's doing it. But I think Loki is probably going to be like, he's going to see, it's going to be that mirror, right? Of like, he's going to be like, what you're doing is wrong. And she's like, oh, you're one to talk sort of thing. But it's like, that's how he's going to learn is through her. So, And there's there's also a question of exactly, and I don't think we really have this answered yet, but what exactly is a variant? Is it, is it an exact duplicate of what you are or what you think, you know, is, are all variants like, is, is the variant of out, out, you know, Alex look the same as you in another time universe? Exactly, exactly. Because we're gonna get, I mean, I'm pretty, I don't know for sure. I'm assuming we're gonna get more variant Lokis in this show. And so to, do you, do you make all the other actors or appear, or characters uh, con- conform to the, the appearance that has been established by Tom Hiddleston? Or do you just leave it alone and say, no, the variant issue is in the personality and looks really have nothing to do with it because over time, you know, situations may be different that lead to people looking differently in different timelines. Yeah. And what I'll say on that too. I don't put too much in the appearance. yeah. Yeah. Well, but when you think about it this way, if Loki is the variant of this universe, where is she from? Because according to the timekeepers, there's only one sacred timeline. So that means there's only one Loki. So where did she come from? These would be the questions that I hope they answer. Where did she come from? What time period did she come from? You know, like what universe is she from? How long has she been a variant? Has she been trying? Like Loki becomes a variant and is taken to the TVA and knows he's like, what the hell is going on? She's got a plan. She's been collecting stuff for a long time. How long has she been on the run? How long did she plan this before she turned into a variant? Or did she just, like, did someone else pass along information to her and now she's carrying on someone else's plans? There's was so much about that. the TVA previously and escaped? Right, exactly. No, did she, she Was she taken in and then she thought her. about it and, and broke out? We don't know. Right. But Lots of questions. Lots of questions that I know they're, they're going to answer and uh, but I think that's the perfect spot for us to wrap up on this. This was fantastic, David. Thank you so much. I'm I'm glad we got to talk about this episode, and I know you're an expert on on all of those heady topics. Uh, any any final thoughts on this episode before we wrap up? Um, I'm just I'm along for the ride, dude. <laughs> you know, for you and everyone else listening, um, I feel like I learned a lesson with, with WandaVision to just enjoy the ride and not really yeah. get caught up in what might happen. Just enjoy what's going on right now. Yeah. I feel like each episode has so much to, you, you could spend the next, however long it is till the next episode and find something new in each, find something new in the episode. You didn't notice that rewatch before. So, I mean, I'm just, we have so many questions and it's hard to believe only four episodes left. No, I know, but based on these lengths, I think I think they can pull it off. I know they're gonna. Oh, I I mean, I'm not worried about that. I just want to see it now. I'm very I'm very <laughs> curious and I'm very anxious. Yes. Well, awesome. That's gonna do it here for us at Comics and Cinema again, David. Thank you so much for coming. Uh, always appreciate it. And uh, for those of you listening, thank you so much for it. I'm your host, Alex Klein, and we will see you at the TVA. Yeah.